Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar. This is going to be episode 111 for Wednesday readings of the third week of Advent. Uh, Wednesday, the third week of Advent, the readings. So let's begin. Uh, the Lord will come and he will not delay. He will illumine what is hidden in darkness and reveal himself to all the nations. Uh, this is uh, from Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, I believe, and 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, and all the and all the angels and saints to pray for me and with me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Grant we pray, Almighty God, that the coming solemnity of your Son may bestow healing upon us in this, in this present life and bring us the rewards of life eternal. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. The Lord will come and he will not delay. He will illumine what is hidden in darkness and reveal himself to all the nations, to all the nations. So um, that's what we hope. I mean, all the nations is what he promised Abraham. Through you, all the families of the earth, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. This is what he promised Abraham. And he promised this because this is what we need. God is a loving God. He's a loving father. And he wants us to believe. He wants us to be saved. God does not wish the death of any sinner, but he's not going to force you to love him. He's not going to force you to believe in him. He's not going to force you to surrender to him. He's He will call you, and he will do this through the church, through the members of his body, through the members of the body of Christ, through the sacraments, through the gospel. All right, so let's begin. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 45, verse 6 to 8, 8, 18, 21, 25. Uh, Isaiah 45, 6 to 8, 18, 21 to 25. Let the clouds rain down. I am the Lord, there is no other. I form the light and create the darkness. I make well-being and create woe. I, the Lord, do all these things. Let justice descend, O heavens, like dew from above. 
Like gentle rain, let the skies drop it down. Let the earth open up and salvation bud forth. Let justice also spring up. I, the Lord, have created this. For thus says the Lord, the creator of the heavens, who is God, the designer and maker of the earth, who established it, not creating it, creating it to be a waste, but designing it to be lived in. I am the Lord and there is no other who announced this from the beginning and foretold it from of old. Was it not I, the Lord, besides whom there is no other God? There is no just and saving God but me. Turn to me and be safe, all you ends of the earth. For I am God, there is no other. By myself I swear, uttering my just decree and my unalterable word. To me every knee shall bend, by me every tongue shall swear, saying only in the Lord are the just deeds and power. Before him in shame shall come all who vent their anger against him. In the Lord shall be the vindication and the glory of all the descendants of Israel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Psalm 85. Let the clouds rain down the just one and the earth bring forth a savior. I will hear what God proclaims. The Lord, for he proclaims peace to his people. Near indeed is his salvation to those who fear him. Glory dwelling in our land. Let the clouds rain down the just one and the earth bring forth a savior. Kindness and truth shall meet. Justice and peace shall kiss. Truth shall, shall spring out of the earth and justice shall look down from heaven. Let the clouds rain down the just one and the earth bring forth a savior. The Lord himself will give his benefits. Our land shall yield its increase. Justice shall walk before him and salvation along the way of his steps. Let the clouds rain down the just one and the earth bring forth a savior. So this, um, this reading in Isaiah is very beautiful. I am the Lord. There is no other. I form the light and create the darkness. I make well-being and create woe. I, the Lord, do all these things. He is God. He is the Lord. Yes, he can do all these things. He is God. And God has God is the creator of reality. He is the creator of our physical world. He is he is not dependent on anything. He's not dependent on anything for his own existence. All right? Everything is dependent on him. He makes everything move. He creates the all the atoms of and all the physical particles of our reality. He is the one who is the source of all things. God. All right? He created the 
the movement of the, gal the galaxies. He created the reality. He created the universe. He is not dependent on the universe. He doesn't eat, drink, or fall asleep. He does not need to sleep. And yet he is a person, a, 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 a God. He is God. He is being itself. And people would ask, well, who created God? No one. And he doesn't need time. He creates time. He creates the all the, the dimensions. First dimension, second dimension, third dimension, fourth dimension, fifth dimension, whatever you want to call it. All, all that, that, that encompasses our reality. You know, people have this, this very poor understanding of who God is. It's beyond, they can't picture it, but yet, yet you just don't ask the right questions. Or maybe you refuse to. Maybe it's just you just don't want to be accountable to being itself, to to him who is existence, who is the cause of reality. God, who creates life, who gives meaning to life, who knows you and me, and yet it's beyond our understanding, beyond our comprehension. Not simple. You know, Islam has a very simple view of God, about God. They cannot comprehend um, the idea that there could be three persons, three persons in one, you know, and in one God. And, you know, interesting what I've learned is that a human being, human, human, human beings, which we all are, is the species that we are, the race that we are. But a person is something totally different than just being. You know, I mean, in a sense, it is dependent on being, but it's not necessarily the same. You know, I'm human, you're human. But a personhood is an individual. I mean, at least I'm hoping I'm explaining it correctly. You know, I'm a person. My mother is a person. My friend Henry is a person. We're all we're, we're human beings. But personhood is individual. Yet we're the members of the same human race. Right. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three persons. Three persons in one being. It's one God, the same God. God the Father is God. Right? The nature, the nature is the same nature. But three persons, they all say they all share the same nature, and they're all in one being, God. I think it's it makes kind of I think it makes sense when you think about it. I hope I'm not make I'm not botching it up, but you know, I think you know when you think about it, right? The Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. The Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Father. 
The Father and the Son are not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father and the Son, but yet it's the same God. This is something that's complex and it's a mystery. And it's not something that can be understood, I think, through reason. You have to accept it through faith. But it's fantastic when you think about it. Islam has a very corrupt view of the Trinity. Right? A corrupt view of the Trinity. And that corrupt view basically includes the Virgin Mary for some reason because they got, you know, either they they were introduced to a corrupt, corrupt view of Christianity. But let's go back to the Trinity again. The... The second person of the Trinity has the same, has the divine nature, the same, shares the same divine nature as the Father and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit same, shares the same divine nature as the Son and the Father. The Father shares the divine nature with the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the, and the Son shares the divine nature of the Father and the Spirit. But in personhood, they're different, right? The second person of the Holy Trinity, which is the Son, is the Logos. But he has two natures, human and divine. When he, be, when he came to earth and was incarnate in the Virgin Mary, that's when he took on a human nature. And it does, he does not, his human nature and divine nature is no confusion. There's no confusion in, in him. It's true. Okay. He is still God. He is fully, he's truly God and truly man. All right. He has, you know, when he was incarnate in the Virgin Mary, he had a, a human mind, a consciousness, an intellect that is human without sin. You know, feelings, intelligence as a human being, all the limitations that a human being would have, except that he is not, his human nature has no sin. And there is no confusion between his divine nature and his human nature. It doesn't necessarily mean that he has two minds. No, it's one mind. Still, the divine mind, you know, in a sense, perfectly in harmony, okay, with the human consciousness. It's one person. One person. One person one you know one person with two natures it's it's fantastic okay in his humanity okay he has an intellect and he limited his humanity within time and space out at the at the time he existed in the historical time he existed but he's still god never ceases to be god this is the kind of stuff that we need to hear from the pulpit. You shouldn't have to hear it from me. 
But yet this is the kind of the kind of things we need to hear. It's a mystery. It's a mystery that is has to be accepted by faith. And I know a lot of people, there's some people who have difficulty with that, but it's true. I hope I didn't botch it up. I hope I didn't botch it up at all, but I I think I explained it. And if I did, I'll hope I have my friend correct me. My friend Henry would correct me. But it's you know, I think I did with my own limited understanding of theology but i i know i heard and i and i listened and and i only repeat what i've learned but i hope i didn't botch it up and if i did i'll gladly be corrected you know but it's you know it, it's one of the beautiful things of our of the catholic faith god is not that simple he can be simple but he's not at the same time simple. He's, you know, there's a simpleness about God in a way that, yes, he is God, creator of heaven and earth, but at the same time, there's complexities about him too. And I know some people think it shouldn't be, but it is because God can be both simple and complex. I, I, you know, because we human beings, we're talking about being itself, creation, the one who, who is the cause of all creation. And it's beautiful. The Holy Spirit is the life of the Father and the Son, the love of the Father and the Son. The, the Holy Spirit is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, one God. The Mormons want to believe there's three gods. The Jehovah Witnesses do not believe in the Trinity at all. As a matter of fact, they, they want to believe that Jesus is, is the Archangel Michael, which that's a totally different thing. One day I'll try to figure out the Jehovah Witnesses or try to understand them, but it's, not, you know, no. And then, <laughs> you know, it's God the Father. God the Father. God the Father the creator, God, the father, the difference is the father is greater than the son in person, in person, in rank and person, just like a father in the head, head of the family. And the Holy spirit is in person. You could say in somewhat greater than the Holy spirit, but still it's the same God, the father, the son, the Holy spirit is one God, but difference in persons. One in being. Share the same nature. Except the Son has two natures. Human and divine. The Holy Spirit has the same nature as the Father. And the Father has the same nature as the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit and the Father has the same nature as the Son. But they don't share his humanity. <laughs> I know. Some people would think, wow, you figured it out. I can't. No. It's just look at it and accept it in faith. Don't try to wrap yourself in a way around it that it, uh, you know, that in the sense that you think that you have to figure it out like a puzzle. It's, I, I think that's the best way I can say it is just accept it, receive it and love it and pray over it that God himself can give you the grace to accept it and understand it 
within the limitations of our humanity, within the limitations of our intellect. I think, trust me, the greatest theologians and philosophers have beat their heads against it, you know, and, you know, and they may, you know, they may wrestle with it, but I think when you wrestle with it too much and you try to explain it uh, in a human way, it's impossible. It's impossible. You're not going to find the word Trinity in the Bible. This is something that the church fathers, the early Christians had <clears throat> to, to, to give a name instead of being coarse or crude or reckless in a way, I think, to, to because as all, as all religions as they evolve and grow, you, you, you want to show respect and reverence. And the Trinity is something that Jesus Christ revealed. Go forth to all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's wonderful. Even though St. Paul didn't call it the Trinity, I don't think he would complain about the fact that we call it the Trinity. All right, let's um, let's move on from there. Okay, Isaiah forty verse nine and ten for the Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Raise your voice and tell the good news. Behold, the Lord God comes with power. Alleluia, Alleluia. Raise your voice and tell the good news. Behold, the Lord God comes with power. Alleluia, Alleluia. Isaiah 40, verse 9 to 10 is the Alleluia Antiphon. And now <clears throat> the reading uh, today is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Go back and tell John what you have seen and heard. Uh, Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 7, verse 18 to 23. At the time, John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one to come, or should we look for another? When the men came to the Lord, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we, should we look for another? At that time, Jesus cured many of their diseases, sufferings, and evil spirits. He also granted sight to many who were blind. And Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. Blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. I'll read it one more time. Luke chapter 7 verse 18 to 23. At that time, John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? When the men came to the Lord, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to ask you, to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? At that time, Jesus cured many of their diseases and sufferings and evil spirits. He also granted sight to the many who were blind. And Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the good news proclaimed to them, 
and blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, what in the world is going on with John the Baptist? Why is he asking this question? As a matter of fact, this past Sunday was kind of the same reading. I think it was Matthew's gospel where John sent his disciples to ask the question, John, who baptized, John the Baptist, who baptized Jesus at the Jordan, who declared him the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world? Why all of a sudden he's sending two of his disciples to ask this question? John, who has declared that Jesus is the one who is to come, the one who will baptize with fire and the Holy Spirit, the one who is greater, he who comes after me is greater than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, to unloosen. He who comes after me is greater than me. He must increase while I decrease. Why would John ask this question? Was John doubting? Was he beginning to wonder? Is he breaking down in prison? One could say possibly with, with the, the psychological abuse of being locked up, wondering to yourself, is this is, if this is how it all is supposed to come to an end? You know, I mean, have I failed God? No, I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all because I don't believe John is doubting. I don't think John ever doubted. I don't think John the Baptist who has the Holy Spirit, I don't think he's doubting at all his mission or wondering if he failed. No, I, I believe, okay, let me go back a little bit here in Iraq. I actually met a person like this and I mentioned this in one of the podcasts a couple of episodes ago, I met an individual. Uh, I used to know him. He was a fellow, a, a fellow coworker, and you know he got promoted to supervisor. Who went by the name of Abdullah, a very common Muslim name, but he was not Muslim. He was from Iraq, and he belonged to an ancient sect that traces his origins back to the disciples of John the Baptist, called. Mendeans or Mendeans, they they practice rebaptism, a ritual, the mikvah, the ritual purification, and it's kind of a little mixed in with Zoroastrianism, I believe, and they have texts, their own texts, and everything, their scriptures or something, and they believe that John the Baptist is the Messiah. They don't believe Jesus is, so the fact that they exist to this very day even though they're a very small, tiny sect. I think they have the largest community in Canada, I believe. I don't know about the United States, but outside of Iraq, I believe Canada, and they have a temple. And I think their biggest problem uh, is that they uh. are, uh, they're suffering from possibly inbreeding, you know, limited and limited. And they, they basically took on a Muslim name, Muslim names, because to hide themselves from persecution. Um, 
And I think they, they've suffered a lot of abuses, injustices under Saddam Hussein and under Muslims. They've suffered a lot through the centuries, but they're still alive to this day. The fact that they exist to this day, and if you read the Gospels, if you go to the New Testament, you get to the part where Paul encountered people who only heard of the baptism of John and the fact that even in gotten John in the gospel of John the disciples of John the Baptist got into an argument with Jews over purification rituals and the fact that John's disciples were troubled by Jesus now when John was put into prison I believe John's imprisonment opened the door a vacuum for a power struggle over John's followers, John's disciples. The fact that only two or three of John's disciples, two, we can be certain, uh -huh. Philip and Andrew, became, became disciples of Jesus of Nazareth. And the fact that maybe, possibly three, being John the Apostle who wrote, gave us this more extensive words of John the Baptist, more than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The fact that he wrote about where, where John's disciples came back to him and asked and, and complained about Jesus. And John himself had to tell them before he was imprisoned. I, you have heard me, I told you, I am not the Messiah. I am not the Christ. The Christ is the one who is to come. And then he said that Jesus is the bridegroom and I am the best man. And I rejoice at, you know, uh, you know, at him, you know, at his wedding. Meaning because he knows that Jesus is the Christ and Jesus is the one who will, who is the bridegroom, who will reveal the bride, which is the church, the kingdom of heaven. That the kingdom of heaven is in Jesus. Jesus is here, brought the kingdom of heaven. And he said, I, he must increase while I decrease. The fact that he had to tell them this and the fact that later on he had to send two of his disciples so that he can clear the fact that Jesus is the one and that there is, there is no one else to come. They had to hear it from him and to see his miracles says that there was possibly a, a power struggle within John's disciples that many of them were, it was getting corrupted and it was becoming a sep, a rival sect, something that he did not intend to happen. That's why John is not doubting Jesus. John is not doubting who the Christ is. He knows who Jesus of Nazareth is. He knows that his cousin is the Messiah, is the Christ, is the son of God. He knows this. The fact that he declared him the Lamb of God, why would he even dare to doubt? No, he did not. This is a problem that, as you can see, caused by human frailty, human weakness, human sinfulness. His disciples who, you know, even you hear the Pharisees say, you're just, uh, say to Jesus, you don't fast, your disciples don't fast, but the we fast and the disciples of John the Baptist fast. So you can see they gained some, they gained the respect of some Pharisees. I mean, this is John who called, called the Pharisees and the priests of the temple a bunch of brood of vipers, you know, vipers, uh, 
you know, according to poets, ancient poets of the world, they hatch inside their mother and eat their way out. He's calling them literally uh, the people who are eating Israel from inside out. That's quite an insulting uh, thing when you think about it in the ancient world. It's quite an insult, but it pretty much got them angry and he created some enemies, but he had won also the respect of some Pharisees and some priests. But the fact that John wants them, wants their eyes to be opened, they're blind. His disciples, some of them are blind. They're blind to the truth. The fact that only two, perhaps three, maybe if you count John, maybe he might have been one of them, believed in Jesus of Nazareth, became his disciples, says it all. That only that John was very cautious about his disciples. He was very aware of those who who had op- who had real spiritual eyes and real spiritual ears and real spiritual minds and who could bear fruit. And he sent them to Jesus to be his disciples and where Jesus picked them out, but only Jesus picked two or three out is says it all. And then the fact that only a few could have the capacity to have eyes and eyes to hear and, and I, you know, I mean, ears to hear and eyes to hear, Okay, I'm getting my words mixed up. Sorry. You know, eyes to see and ears to hear is obvious that only a few of John's disciples were worthy to be picked. And that says it all. And that also says to us that we got to be aware. We got to be aware of, you know, we got we to gotta make sure that we're not blind. That we're not going off, breaking off and, 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 and becoming heterodox or or heretics or we're causing division we have to be we have to stay in line we have to hold hold the line we have to be true followers of Jesus there's a wonderful scene in the uh, the third season of the chosen where andrew goes to see john the baptist in prison in herod's palace and he wants him to listen to Jesus. Listen to him. Pay attention to him. He's your rabbi now. Imitate him. Be him. You know, pay attention to everything he's saying to you. And that's what we have to do. We have to be real followers of Jesus of Nazareth. Don't go off following some bishop you know the latin mass is beautiful the latin mass is fine but the fact is is are we listening to jesus are we listening to him are we paying attention are we are are our minds becoming jesus are our hearts becoming jesus is our lives becoming like jesus that's what's important. This is what John wanted because in that ancient world, you have to become your rabbi. You have to become your rabbi. And John the Baptist was probably, was most likely definitely a very important person to, to some of his disciples of Jesus who knew him because the memory of John the Baptist was very important. The fact that he paved the way for the Lord. And if you look at Luke, Luke shows this reverence. Okay, um, 
And it says here, At that time, John summoned to his disciples and sent them to the Lord. Luke is writing almost like a second generation Christian because he's, he's not just calling him Jesus, he's calling him the Lord. So he's writing with reverence to, towards Jesus of Nazareth. He's, he's referring to him in a very respectful, reverent manner. And he goes on, are, you know, John is asking, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? It's not John. John is doing this to open the eyes of his disciples. So they can so they can stop and not become something that he not intended to for them to be become a whole new religion. He did not want any competition with Jesus. So when the men came to the Lord, they said, "John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another?" Then he goes to say, "At that time, Jesus cured many of their diseases." Okay, so you can see, you know, the first part is actually with with much reverence, but then he wants to make everyone be familiar that it is the Lord is Jesus. So this this shows you how complex and how complicated things got. Unfortunately for John's disciples, not many of them had had the spiritual capacity to see that Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ. So you know, we you know we should we got to make sure we don't. You know, we, that doesn't happen to us. Like the division is happening now with the Latin mass crowd and 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 the Norris Ordo. You know, it shouldn't be. Yes, we should have better reverent masses. But the important thing is we have to proclaim Jesus of Nazareth. He is the beginning and end all of our life. You know, he is the center, the cornerstone of our life. He is the rock, the bedrock that we have to build our faith on. You know, like Jesus said, anyone who listens to the words of mine and builds his house on builds his house on the rock, and the storms, the storms metaphors for all the troubles of life, does, does not does not destroy it because our our faith is built on the rock, which is Christ. That's what's important. Okay, let's end it here. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, 
save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins. Save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. <clears throat> St. Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in the day of battle. Be our protection against the wild and wicked attacks of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray. Now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.